I'd go to the moon in a nanosecond. Uh, the problem is we don't have the technology to do that anymore. We used to, but we uh, destroyed that technology, and uh, it's a painful process to build it back again. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com I can sing that song, actually. Christmas ends tomorrow on the uh, second day of the second month of the year of our Lord 2024. But today's the first day of the second month of the year of our Lord 2024. It is basically the last day of Christmas tide. I bid you a Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. From the heart of America, this is Mike Parrott hosting Paratalk, which airs on this illustrious radio program. At 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's every weekday for those counting. You can send your hate mail to me at restoringthefaithmedia@gmail.com. I get plenty of it, and I love to read it. I'll make myself a cocktail tonight. I'll sit back. I'll open up the emails, and I can't wait to hear how awful and terrible this show is. Um, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I did you did you appreciate my little opening here? I thought you would really like that. We well, I'd go to the moon in a nanosecond. I would love this is a guy from NASA. Well, I, but we we used to have that technology. It's just that well, we destroyed that technology and we just could never build it back up. What technology did you destroy? The, the, the tin can that you say went to the moon? Literally, like the, the floating tin can, is that what is that the technology that got um, ex, what, ex, expunged? Isn't it in a museum somewhere? Gee whiz. All right, uh, I, the moon landing has become a, a thing once again. Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire has dedicated an entire day of work, including production work, 
to convincing you all that the moon landing happened. Thank you, Matt Walsh, for settling this problem for us. He gives you three reasons why the moon landing is true. And we're going to have to just, we're just going to have to go through some of them. I don't know if we can get through his whole thing. I don't know how he spent 18 uninterrupted minutes talking about how true the moon landing was without ever presenting any evidence. But his argumentation is basically, well, the hoax theory is too hard. It's too complicated. And so it can't be true. Therefore, the most simple explanation is true. And the most simple explanation is that with rudimentary computer systems in 1960s technology... We actually flew, like, how many? 50,000 miles and landed on an object that is rotating around the Earth whilst the Earth is rotating around the sun. And then we were able to lift back off and come back home. That's the simplest explanation. Oh, and by the way, the cameraman who was left behind to film the uh, takeoff, don't worry about him. Here we go with Matt Walsh. All right, today was a long time coming. We're going to cancel moon landing deniers, those who subscribe to the theory that the moon landing was fake. I am finally... I didn't bring this up, ladies and gentlemen. Just so you know, this is Matt Walsh who brought it up. ...addressing the subject on the show because I was provoked and is very easy to do, uh, baited into this conversation over the weekend. I happened to mention on Twitter that I watched and very much enjoyed uh, for the second time the movie First Man, which is... Um, actually, we watched it with the older kids who really liked it as well. Uh, it, the, the excellent biopic about uh, Neil Armstrong starring Ryan Gosling. And, uh, and I, I wasn't trying to start a fight, actually. I just I liked the movie, and I, and I just wanted to say that. But this brought out the moon landing deniers, perhaps predictably, and I responded to one of them saying simply that I hate the moon landing conspiracy theory because it's not only baseless, but it also seeks to undermine the greatest achievement in American history. Yes, that's the point of the conspiracy theory, is to undermine the greatest achievement in American history. Do you see? He already gives you his major premise. His major premise for supporting the moon landing theory is patriotism. You already know that you can't have a decent conversation with someone like this whose sole concern is the reputation of the United States. It's us versus them. You're either with us or you're against us. Either the USSA is the greatest usurious sodomitical abortive nation in the history of the world, or it's not. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the primary juxt of Mr. Walsh's opinion here. He'll go on, but you'll hear this again. They're just trying to bash America. You're just trying to be anti-American. It's anti-American to deny the space landing. It's anti-American? Can we just can we just stick to the science of it? Can we just stick to like the actual evidence? Can we talk about shadows, atmosphere, wind blowing? Can we just talk, can we just do basic blocking and tackling the Van Allen belt? Can we just talk about the things that actually matter? Why does it have to turn into, if you disagree with me, you hate America. 
That's so George W. Bush. That is so played out. It's so 2001. It's so 9-11. You either believe that this... Saudis. What? Saudis? Saudis? Sorry, Iraqis. You either believe that these Saudi Iraqis crash these buildings into the... Crash these planes into the buildings and that steel can melt by jet fuel. You either believe that or you're, you hate America. You're anti-American. I'm so tired of this argument. I'm so tired of being called a crappy American patriot just by, like, trying to believe what my eyes tell me. Listen, St. Thomas says we have to live in reality. We have to live in reality. How do we live in reality? We live in reality and we experience reality primarily by our five senses. Reality is not some imagined reality where we can just make it up. We don't get to play make-believe. The primary way that we experience reality is by what we see, what we hear, what we touch, what we taste, what we smell. That's it. That's how we experience reality. So if my eyeballs tell me something, I think that's reality. That's how I'm supposed to experience reality. Let's just live in reality, okay? The reality is that moon landing Hoax theorists don't hate America, Matt Walsh. All right, I'll let him talk now. And that post got hundreds of responses, and much to my chagrin, though uh, should not have been to my surprise, the vast majority of the comments were from people who deny that the moon landing exists. In fact, I basically got ratioed on Twitter for saying that the moon landing happened. That's how bad things have gotten. Now, I'd like to think that my Twitter comments are not representative of the general public, but polling says otherwise. The most recent survey I've seen conducted in 2019 found that only about 60% of the public strongly disagrees with the theory that the moon landing was fake. And that leaves about 40% who do not strongly disagree with the theory that the moon landing is fake. 5% strongly agree with the theory. Another 6 or 7% agree with it less strongly. And the rest are, at least to some degree, apparently open to the idea that the moon landing never happened and was all set up on a soundstage somewhere in, in Hollywood, I guess. So 40% of the people in the United States of America also believe that the COVID-1984 event was either fake, planned, staged, or overreacted to. There was a time not too long ago in our very recent history in which those people would have been called conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy nuts. You're not taking it seriously. This could be the end of the world. This could be the end of human life. If you don't wear your mask, social distance and contact trace, you could kill my grandma. And that makes you a murderer. You're either with us or you're a murderer. You either believe in the moon landing or you hate America. Now, the very first thing that you should ask yourself when evaluating any conspiracy theory, it, because there, there are plenty of conspiracy theories that have turned out to be true, right? That doesn't mean that they're all true, though. So reflexively dismissing every consp conspiracy theory is, is very low IQ, but reflexively believing all of them is also low IQ. And, and so we want to be critical thinkers and we want to um, take them on a case-by-case -case basis, which I think most people do. So looking at a conspiracy theory, very first thing you should ask yourself, 
is how many people would need to be involved for it to work? And if the answer is that a relatively small number of high-level, powerful people would have to be involved, then your theory at least has a chance of passing the initial smell test. But if the answer is that the conspiracy would necessitate the close cooperation and secrecy of thousands of people across multiple agencies and institutions, then you're going to have to meet a very, very high evidentiary bar to make your theory even slightly credible. This is probably his best argument in his mind, and that's why he leads with it. But this is a misunderstanding of what a conspiracy is. Go back to the Latin root word of the word conspiracy. Conspirare. To breathe together. Conspirare. This basically means that if you are rowing in the correct direction, judo, you are part of the conspiracy, whether you know it or not. That's how these things work, Matt. You don't have to go down to the NASA intern level and read everybody in on it. Oh, you're the coffee guy at the NASA control room? Well, here, sign this non-disclosure agreement. Here's $10,000. We need to tell you absolutely everything that we're doing right now in this misdirection. Could Mr. Walsh not imagine in his vast brain matter a universe in which even the NASA controllers are being misled. They believe that they are mission control for a mission that is underway. How would you, ha how would you fake that for them? What evidence do they have that anybody is on the moon? What actual direct evidence do they have? They're talking to a guy on a radio. They have precisely the amount of evidence that I am presenting to you right now that I'm on the moon. Hello, broadcasting from the moon. This is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. This is live talk radio the way it should be. We are always on air, always online, always happy to be with you. And today I'm broadcasting from the moon. Crusaders, Crusaders, attention Crusaders. I am broadcasting from the moon. One small show for man, one giant radio constellation network for mankind. <laughs> Mr. Walsh apparently believes that the only way to have faked the, main, the, the, the moon landing would be for thousands of people to be involved. Not just an elite group of people who even misled NASA employees. This is either a failure of imagination, which is very likely for Mr. Walsh and his vast brain power, or it is misdirection. It is either a misuse of his imagination or it is maliciously misrepresenting the argument and attacking what is called in logic a straw man. A straw man is when you erect a fake argument that your opponent is making. You pretend that your opponent is arguing one thing that's really easy for you to argue against. Oh, I'm going to defeat my opponent by making his arguments very badly for him. 
He's either doing that intentionally, which demonstrates a lack of goodwill in this discussion. Well, okay, what professional conservative media, professionalized, big conservative media controlled by you-know-who, how much goodwill is there anyway? I don't know. Let's let him speak for himself. The one thing we know about human beings in general, and human beings in government especially, is that they are very bad at keeping secrets. And the chance of the secret being kept drops exponentially as you add more people to it. We all understand this. I mean, you tell one person a secret, it's very hard to get them to keep it. Tell 10 people, and it's extremely difficult to get them to keep it. A thousand is basically impossible. So, what about the fake moon landing? Well, why do we have to tell a thousand people that the moon landing is fake? Why would we have to tell a thousand people? Can we, get a, can we get a detailed explanation? I'm not asking for a list. You don't have to produce a list of the thousand people that would have had to have known. But can you at least, rather than just dismissing the idea based on the law of large numbers, is there any way that you could fill us in on why a thousand people would have to be involved? This would require the coordination and absolute secrecy of the astronauts who are on these fake missions. Okay, that's what, a dozen? And also everybody at Mission Control. Why everybody at Mission Control? I just, I just gave you a perfect example. Maybe they think that they're controlling an aircraft that doesn't exist. It would also have to either involve everybody at NASA or a portion of people at NASA. Everybody at NASA? Everybody at NASA? All right, you've lost me. And the latter is even more incredible because that would mean that the secret was being kept from a bunch of people at NASA by other people at NASA. No matter what. Why, why is that incredible? Has this, has this man ever heard of compartmentalization of information? Does he believe that, that, the, that the, an intern at the CIA has the same access to information as the director of the CIA? Does he believe that just because you work at an organization that you have a, a right to know everything that happens in that organization? I don't really know Matt Walsh's professional history. I don't. Uh, I think I knew that he was a guy who made Facebook rants, really long, wordy, verbose Facebook rants when uh, Ben Shapiro picked him up. He, he accrued a Facebook audience, and then Ben Shapiro picked him up. I'm, I'm not sure if he's always been a professional commentariat member or if he's ever actually, like, worked in in a real job somewhere or worked in a large organization, if he imagines that, like, if you work at Microsoft in their coding department, that you would have access to their all of the secrets of their cloud servers and infrastructure department or their software or their whatever it is. I don't know if he imagines that just because you worked at NASA that you would have access to all the secrets or that, that, there, that there wouldn't be people at NASA who would have higher access to certain things than the lower people at NASA. He finds that to be incredible. And I find it incredible that he finds it incredible, frankly speaking. But this is probably just the egalitarian, libertarian viewpoint. Everybody is essentially equal. Everybody essentially has access to everything. Everybody should be given perfect information. Nobody should be kept in the dark about anything. This is either a lack of imagination, and in his case, experience. Imagination comes from experience, I think. 
So take that for whatever it's worth, Mr. Walsh, or he is straw manning you. He is saying, yeah, your, your theory is absurd because the coffee guy at NASA would have had to have been misled by, like, the, the top-level guys at NASA, and that is so incredible. <laughs> Duh, stupid. That's a very dubious proposition, but it goes beyond that. Of course, knowledge of this conspiracy would have to go up the ranks in government. Not everybody in the Pentagon and White House had to know, but some of them would, ha ha would have had to know. And already we have multiple governmental entities working together on this and keeping the secret for decades without a single leak. But it's not contained just to government. If this was filmed on a soundstage, then the film crew, sound engineers, the guys who built the props, the studio or company that owned whatever soundstage they used and so on, all these people would either have to be in on it or would have to be involved without knowing that they're in on it. Being involved without knowing you're in on it is pretty dang easy. It's very easy. Look, you already were taking, they were taking the lunar module and filming with it to make NASA propaganda films. The, they were taking the astronauts underwater in their spacesuits for training purposes and filming them. You're talking about maybe like one editor who would have to be in on it, who just takes the raw footage from all the other NASA film productions and cuts it up in a way that is useful. I mean, I'm getting this down to like a handful of people, okay? It doesn't have to be a thousand people, Matt Walsh. Which is even less likely. So now we have multiple government agencies and dozens if not hundreds of bureaucrats all working together seamlessly alongside multiple civilians, some of whom work in the film industry. These are the two gossipy, least tight-lipped worlds in existence, Hollywood and government. And yet after six decades, nobody in either world has ever breathed a single word about this, ever. And that part is not true. No one has ever breathed a single word about this. This is when this is this is a this is a difficult argument for him to make and it's a bold one. And I commend him on his on his um audacity here because he's making an argument that simply cannot be supported. He is asserting the non-existence of something. And that's a really hard argument to make. For example, when you say there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, there were none. When you make that argument, and it's true because we didn't find any, and it's true because no one else found any, and it's true because we're not even sure that there ever was evidence of it existing ever, you still, in 2005, 2006, when these arguments were being made by people who hate America, because you're either with us or you're against us, you either support the war or you hate America. You either support the moon landing or you hate America. So when you make the argument that no weapons of mass destruction exist in Iraq, the patriots would say, well, just because you didn't find them doesn't mean they never existed. 
Besides, those weapons probably were there and then they just moved them into Syria. What we should really do is bomb Syria and find out if the weapons, if Saddam moved his weapons into Syria. Because we're pretty sure that that's what he did. Because that's what Sean Hannity told me is a possibility. And you just hate America anyway if you claim that there's no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. There have to be weapons of mass destruction in Iraq because if there aren't, then you're not a patriot. This is a very difficult argument to make, to assert the non-existence of something. The fact of the matter is, is that the conspiracy about the moon landing has been around basically since the moon landing. And there have been defectors and detractors from the beginning. But Matt Walsh is arguing that those people never existed. And to debunk this portion of his presentation is, is, is relatively easy. Just go find the NASA worker who says, I don't think we actually landed on the moon and here's why. How about the guy who says... We can't go to the moon today. We don't have the technology. We used to have the technology, but we destroyed it. We, don't, we do not have the capability to go to the moon today. We can't get past the Van Allen belt today. We don't know how to do the radiation. We don't know how to do the, the mission control or the navigation. We can't do it. We can't. How about the guy at NASA who says, we can't go to NASA? How about the guy at NASA who says, None of those photos of Earth are real. We Photoshop all of them. We superimpose clouds on them. It's the same cloud pattern that we put onto the round Earth every time. Every round Earth you've ever looked at, every picture you've ever looked at has the same cloud patterns on it. We superimpose those on there to make it look more realistic. You could go on and on and on and on and on. The fact of the matter is, Matt Walsh asserting that no one has ever challenged this is the most incredible part of his presentation. But let's let the man continue. Let him speak for himself. But it's even more fantastical than that. You may be aware that the moon landing occurred, or was faked supposedly, in uh, the middle of the Cold War. And that's largely why it was faked, according to the theory. But the Soviets were monitoring our space program just as closely as we were monitoring theirs. It's inconceivable that we could have planned, set up, and executed a fake moon landing and pulled this ruse over on the public without the Soviets being fully aware of what we'd done. And yet, they never accused us of faking the landing. The Soviet Union never denied the legitimacy of the landing one time. In fact, at this point, there are over 70 space agencies around the globe. Many of them have their own satellites, their own probes and telescopes and so on. If the most famous space-related achievement in history was completely fake, then it would seem nearly certain that at least some of the people and at least some of those other global space agencies would know it, or at least suspect it. Yet no accusations have ever been made by anybody who would be in a position to actually know anything about this. Which means either that many dozens or hundreds of conspirators in NASA, the White House, the Pentagon, and Hollywood were so brilliant and devious that they tricked even the Soviet spies who were monitoring them, along with every other global space agency, or these other agencies are in on it which brings the conspiracy to thousands of people across dozens of countries and six decades. Now, this is all complicated by the fact that, according to the conspiracy theorists, the plot actually wasn't well executed at all. According to them, NASA did a shoddy job of pulling it off, made a number of extremely obvious mistakes, mistakes that, that were so boneheaded 
that a bunch of people on Twitter can easily spot them just by a cursory glance at the photos. So this was a, this was a, a this goes back to living in reality, living in reality. You show me the boots that the astronauts were wearing on the moon and you, and you show me the boot print that they took a photo of that they left on the moon and the footwear doesn't match. Okay, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. I've heard that somewhere. You don't have to be a brilliant conspiracy theorist. Look, I have, I spent the vast majority of my life believing that the United States of America is the only nation to ever put a man on the moon. And that we did it at an impossible time in our history when we it was emerging technology. It was very dangerous. You had to be extremely brave to do it. And that we did it. And that we did it more than 50 years ago. Five decades ago, we did it. And no one else since then has ever done it. That we are 50 years ahead of the rest of the world. And now they won't even try. And now we, we, we were so good, we're like Kobe Bryant. We just hung it up. We retired early. We said, we are the greatest of all time. There will never be a, a greater person moon person than we are and we're done and now nasa has transformed itself not from a space agency and an exploration agency but into a money laundering scheme that's right to the tunes of billions hundreds of billions a money laundering foundation to convince young people that environmentalism is their true religion, or ought to be. Yes, that's right. NASA is now just a re-education camp for young children to teach them the importance of scientism, worshiping the science gods, and the Mother Earth as the goddess, and to honor the Mother Earth by reducing human population and Reducing pollution. Good job, NASA. And they openly admit that we can never, ever, 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 ever go back to the moon. We did it, supposedly, multiple times, but we can't do it ever again. It's like that country song, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once. As I ever was. Well, guess what? We're not even as good once as we ever was. We're not as good once. We're, we're not. We could just end the story there at, at the first verse. I ain't as good as I once was. I can never go back to the moon. So there's that. That's it. That's the end of the song. I'm not as good as I once was. I can never go back to the moon. 
And I am not as good once as I ever was because I can never go back to the moon. Walsh continues, but we can't. We've run out of time on this segment. I'd like to take this into the next one, but I, I have something actually kind of funny lined up for the next one. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about Russell Brand and the Tucker interview um, after the break here. This segment brought to you by the Founders Trading Post. Go to shop.mikechurch.com. Get yourself a strong cup of joe. Get the Irish blend from the Benedictine Brothers of Abbey Roast at shop.mychurch.com. Take advantage of El Cheapo flat rate shipping at shop.mychurch.com. This is the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. Always on air, always online, always happy to be with you. And we will, as always, be right back. Hey, I just met you. Heard you're a groomer. So here's your millstone. Good luck, loser. It's hard to look right when you're a pervert. So take your millstone. No kids will get hurt. Gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean. Down in the ocean. Alongside that Titan sub. Gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean. Throw them in the ocean with that Titanic sub. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. We are live talk radio, always on air, always online, always the wish. Um, always happy to be with you. <laughs> we used to, I used to say talk radio the way it should be. And that one kind of was like, that one was like the, like the inner demon voice that wanted to come out and like talk over the other one. Here I am just trying to tell you the tagline. Always on air, always online, and always the way it should be. It is just, it merged. I'm sorry about that. That's what happens on live radio. Do you guys remember when that Titan sub, the Titan sub, went down and everyone was presumed dead? That's a reference that is still captured in the Groomer song because it was contemporaneous when I, when I wrote the the Groomer song. By the way, I, I don't get any royalties every time it plays. That's why I only play it once per show. If I were getting royalties off of the song that I, it's an original song that I wrote. Songwriters get royalties whenever the song plays. But I get nothing. Anyway, when I first wrote the song back in October of last year, that was when the Coast Guard was trying to recover. Remember when the two billionaires and like the one random guy were down in the Titan sub and it just imploded and went boo. That's the reference, in case you were wondering. All right. Um, <laughs> do you know who Russell Branson is? He's a British actor, comedian. He was in. He was in like the early two thousands movies. What? Which movies were those? Was it the American Pie series or something? Some awful, terrible for humanity, terrible for our culture set of movies. I, I forget what it was. That's where I, I first noticed him. But he has really been attacked in these last years. He's got his own podcast and, and whatnot. He was just on Tucker. Alex Jones highlighted this uh, clip here that we're going to go through. Alex Jones's commentary says, Next level! Explanation point. Russell Brand and Tucker Carlson 
talk God and Satan, the Great Awakening is happening. What we need to see is an emergence of a different type of populism that transcends the boundaries of left and right. These things are happening organically and naturally anyway. And what I think is happening is perhaps it's odd, isn't it? Because the Internet is ultimately a creation of the military. Clearly, they didn't accurately understand that whilst it was going to be a brilliant means for control, and clearly that's one of the wars that's being fought now, it is also a tool for informing and awakening. And I think that we're at this crux point. Which way is it going to go? Are people going to wake up to the reality that we are being confronted with or are we going to sort of nervously cling on to the idea that somehow through comfort and panaceas we might hold on to some old life increasingly i think is over i watched some of that speech you did in uh ottawa or wherever you were in edmonton canada and two of the things i thought were important is knowing that you are not god you are not god you are it's not about you you have to have some purpose in your life and secondly people must relearn a connection to their land our connection to our lands has been broken now many countries particularly in a post-colonial world have complex relationships with their land sometimes that is a, a relationship with a land that had inhabitants prior to the our, our arrival or the arrival at least of settlers in your country for example or in canada that you were describing our outlining but we are divorced from nature we are divorced from our lands we are divorced from one another and and we are fed such an empty hollow vapid fatic diet of lies Uh, and either you said at one point oh you should you know this is this vast country you could all have six acres each yes and i felt like oh the crowd responding to that people are frightened of the people of britain or the people of america or the people of canada or australia or the people all over the world for surely those farmer protests are happening in sri lanka they're happening in india they're not just happening in in Europe or Anglophonic countries. They're happening everywhere. They're happening everywhere. And I feel that that's precisely the direction we need to return to. Sovereignty of the individual. Sovereignty and sanctity of the connection between people and their land. Maximum amount of power in your own life and the lives of your community and and your loved ones. Not this transition of power to increasingly centralized forces and this uh, infantilization and neutralization and castration of individuals individual and familial power. Can I ask you a question that you made? Okay, so this is Richard uh, Russell. No, Richard. This is Russell Brand saying that you have to you have to believe that you're not God. We live in an age of narcissism. We live in an age of the social media. We live in an age where people are compacted into cities and they believe They believe that the earth is overpopulated because their city is overpopulated, and that's all they can imagine. I've done the math, actually. I used to work with uh, this fire dancer, and that's exactly what it sounds like. She was our secretary. Uh, Three of us kind of banded together and shared a secretary when I was in financial services. And I didn't hire her. I would not have hired her, but she was there. All right. Would you believe that this fire dancer who liked to go out into the desert at like Burning Man and perform for people, would you believe that she was a childless liberal? I know. Shocking, right? This is shocking. We were living in a major United States city, working in financial services, 
And we found this secretary who just had this side gig, side hustle, of performing at Burning Man. Would you believe that she was a childless liberal? I know, I was, I was surprised to hear that myself. But one day, she told me that she's never going to have children because the earth cannot support more human life. And that was her argument. She said, we're overpopulated. There are too many of us. And that's why I'm not going to have children. I'm going to do my part. So that night, I sat down and I looked at the land mass of the state of Texas. And I looked at the total number of projected human beings at the end of the decade. So I took, I don't remember if it was 8 or 9 billion people. And I said, what would it be like? What would the density be like if they all just lived in Texas? And I, can, and I don't remember what the numbers exactly were, but I came up with some density. And I said, oh, well, that seems pretty dense. I mean, it's a certain number of people per mile or a certain number of people per whatever. And then I looked at the density of New York City, Midtown Manhattan. And it turns out that New York City is far more dense than cramming all of humanity into the state of Texas. Midtown Manhattan was far more dense, far higher number of people per square, whatever, mile, cube, whatever, um, than cramming them all into the state of Texas. So I presented this to the fire dancer the next day. I said, you know, you've been to New York, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been to New York. What do you think of New York? Oh, I love New York. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's, it's, it's actually like a modern miracle that so many people can live there. Yeah, it is. It's really exciting. It's always it's a city that never sleeps. Whatever. You can have, it's got good food. It's always awake. It's a live city. I kind of I mean, I like I've lived in I've lived in Manhattan for a, for a, a brief time. I liked it. I really do. I, I I did. I have fond memories of it. Um I lived in the post Giuliani version where like there wasn't crime. There, there weren't a bunch of illegal migrants being dropped off there, roving the streets, like maiming you. Okay. I lived in a very brief period of time in New York City when it was actually a safe city. I loved it. Went to a Broadway show, saw Spider-Man. It was great. And so I presented the evidence to her and I said, by the way, um, if we took every human being on planet Earth and crammed them just into this state that we're sitting in right now, we were in Austin, Texas at the time, and we put them all into the, into the state of Texas, it would be less cramped than Midtown Manhattan. And that would leave the rest of North America, 47 states in North America, plus Alaska and Hawaii, plus Canada, plus Latin America, without one human being. Totally wild. Totally raw. It would leave all of Europe, all of Asia, and all of Africa lifeless. No humans, just nature. I said, do you still think that the entire planet would be overrun by human beings in that scenario? And... This is the part of the story that may shock you. This is the part of the story that you're not going to believe, but trust me, it happened. She didn't have a comeback. 
I know. I was really shocked too. I thought, oh, this is going to be a really intellectual discussion. This is this will this will be. Uh, she's gonna she's gonna throw some curveball at me. This fire dancer. Maybe she'll set me on fire. Maybe she'll use fireworks in in her in her uh, rebuttal. None of that happened. I just got the cold shoulder for the rest of the day. Truth hurts. May be able to answer that. I've been meditating. I'll give it a go, Tucker. I'll tell you that. Well, you're just uniquely positioned to answer because you've seen both sides. But um, so the things that the people in charge hate include nature. Yes. And the class of people who are most useful to mm -hmm. your nation, you describe them. Cops, firemen, teachers, nurses, all of them were crushed during COVID, by the way. Yes. Um, and farmers. And it's indisputable that if you don't have those people, you don't have a society. You could get rid of every think tank and every sociology department and every liberal arts university, and you'd probably be okay. You get rid of your farmers, you starve to death. So it's not obvious why the leadership of a country would hate the very people they need most and hate the most beautiful and valuable thing they have, which is nature. Why do they hate those things? It terrifies me to contemplate, Tucker, that people like Alex Jones and in our country, David Icke, who, aside from some views that are impossible to corroborate around quite occultist and, shall we call them, marginal ideas, difficult to corroborate yeah. ideas, when it comes to the subject of globalization and the increasing authoritarianization of our planet, appear to have been ahead of the curve. You can see them 20, 30 years ago saying yeah. with the, the empowerment of NATO, the empowerment of world banks and the WHO, like this is extraordinary. And it seems to me that the disempowerment of ordinary people, the condemnation, the demoralization of the public to create people that just are weary and broken and is, if not enslaved, then so dependent it amounts to a form of slavery, cannot be inadvertent. It seems to be a denial of something fundamental that I, in my language, I would call spirit, the, the right to be who you are that there isn't something fundamentally ugly or wrong with you, that you are allowed to be who you are. And I see that as a universal principle that will be applied all the way from the left to the right across various yes. ways that people claim their individual identity now. It seems to me that, yes, that if you start to attack those pivotal infrastructural roles, I was struck when speaking to some of the people that you work with, man that, you know, um, that's been a cop for 26 years in New Jersey, 35 years yeah. in the security first services. Like these are people that give their lives for a country so to tell those people that your country doesn't mean anything or to alter the meaning of what a nation is or alter what your contribution has been it seems to be about a kind of disorientation and it's difficult actually sometimes the reason i mentioned at the beginning of this rather chroming answer figures that are broadly condemned as conspiracy theorists but then aren't we all these days is the reason i mentioned them is because they talk specifically about ideas to do with spirituality morality and ethics and it's hard for someone like me to consider that the goals of this global establishment are anything other than power, finance, dominion. But when you talk about this loathing of nature, whether that's human nature or botany or the great expanse, yes. it's difficult yes. to think that there isn't something dark yes! <laughs> at its core. Because there's no rational explanation for that. How could you want to despoil nature? How could you hate human nature? How could you want to hurt people? They're, those are not rational responses to anything. I mean, there's got to be, I mean, clearly 
what we're watching are the fruits of spiritual war. I, if you can think of a better explanation, let me know. Certainly the solution seems to me to be spiritual. And even when they're talking about ecology and evoking words like Gaia, like the spirit of the planet, it seems oddly utilitarian. The earth is a resource, even when claiming to care about the types of energy industry that might be most beneficial and those which might not be as beneficial. I don't see reverence. I don't see an acknowledgement of the sacredness of the earth, that the, that the earth is not a resource. It's not, you know, obviously the left and right are classically almost at this point divided around the subject of climate change. And what I feel is who, who among us ought not love our planet and behave respectfully and reverentially and lovingly to our planet? And how is that going to happen if no one has a relationship with it? I think like 90% of, in my country, 90% of the land is inaccessible to most people. 90 of the land is privately owned like land that used to be commonly held is now all privately owned there has been successive law after successive law that has moved power and control and the land and nature herself into the hands of an elite and it's this i suppose even where it would have been risible so you're getting back to feudalism yeah it, what you're <laughs> let's get back to good old feud what was wrong with feudalism <laughs> um <laughs> Lot to unpack there. Russell Brand, Tucker Carlson talking about how it must be a spiritual battle. There must be. Some, well, let me let me just let me just answer the question because Russell Brand couldn't quite get there. Tucker Carlson said, couldn't there be a spiritual reason? Isn't that the best explanation for why people would hate their own producers, hate their own essential people? And really just hate nature. Have you ever met any of these lefties that hang out at like REI? And they claim to love nature. And they have... They're, maybe they're furries. Or they have pink hair or whatever. Blue hair. And they... I, they, I, I don't know. They just look like lesbians. Whether or not they're men or women. They just look like lesbians. And they claim to have their left-wing lifestyles and low-carbon footprints because they love the earth, but they've never actually spent time in nature. Like, have you met these people? I have. I sure have. I've met people that don't camp, don't fish, don't hunt. Hunting is bad. They don't hike. They don't go out on the waters. They don't canoe. I've met these people that have no experience whatsoever in the awe of creation. They only imagine themselves as being um, moralistic, good people. They're virtue signaling because they're standing up for some species of animals that, um, that they've actually never met or raised or held or interacted with. They're ready to die for some turtle. And yet they've never visited the habitat of where the turtle lives. Let me give the explanation for these people. Because Tucker's right. Russell Brand couldn't get there. Let's get there on this show. The explanation is very simple. Demons hate humans. The, de the demons want to destroy human beings. They want to prevent human beings from coming into existence. 
via abortion, birth control, homosexuality, etc. They want to prevent and frustrate the creative act of God in the creation of eternal souls, which are contained in human beings. They don't want that. But number two, to the extent there must be a creation of human beings, to the extent that we somehow survive our mother's wombs, which is a dangerous proposition in certain states, especially if you're brown, but to the, to the extent that you manage to be born, now they want to corrupt you and turn you into a liberal who hates other human beings. So the Malthusian uh, mathematics here, the Malthusian religion, is not about a worship of earth. It is about a hatred of humans. And the hatred of humans is wrapped up in the so-called worship of earth. But it's really just about eliminating humans. Every argument possibly crafted. Look, you start from the major premise. You start from the major premise, which is we hate human beings and we need to prevent them from existing. And then you craft your arguments like, oh, well, humans fart. And so that causes carbon and carbon causes emissions and emissions are the whole, whole ozone layer and then it gets hotter and then the monkeys can't live because it's too hot and then the fish die. So we can't have humans for that reason. We can't have humans because humans are mean and they, they eat all the kinds of things. Um, we can't have humans because they uh, create farmland, and farmland is terrible. It's better to just have underbrush overgrowth. That's better. That's better for everybody if we just have random underbrush overgrowth. Fire hazards. We need more fires and volcanoes on planet Earth and less humans. Humans are bad because they create housing. They use all these resources. Humans are bad for X, Y, Z. It is a hatred of, it's not just, this is the question that Tucker was asking of Russell Brand in the clip that you just heard. Why does the government hate the people that are necessary for a society to exist? It's not that they hate the people that are necessary for a society to exist. It's not that they uniquely hate farmers or cops or nurses or teachers or whatever. It's that they hate all humanity. And the reason why they hate all humanity is because demons hate all humanity. Because demons don't want new humans to exist. And to the extent that they do exist, they want to drag their souls to hell. They want to damn them. To, to poke God's eye out. To say, oh, you created this eternal soul? Well, he's mine. <laughs> mine. We'll all suffer together. We'll all burn in hell together for all eternity. <laughs> the only joy that a demon gets is the perverse joy of hating God. The only pleasure that a demon gets is damning souls to hell, is convincing human beings to hate other human beings. That's why there's this, when you, when you really start to look at the, the alt-left's so-called reverence for nature, it's so hollow, it's so fake. They don't love nature and they don't love fellow man. They are motivated by hatred. That is their true motivation. That is their true religion, hatred of man. 
It is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And that's why you listen to this radio show. Because we can answer the questions. Tomorrow is Friday, and I look forward to going around the world with you. God bless you. Thank you for listening. This is the Crusade Channel. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com